We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek refuge uh, and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And today we are exploring Surat At-Takathur and the floor is yours. Surat At-Takathur is a Mecca surah, meaning competition and amassing. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, was once... Um, with his companions asking if any of them could read a thousand verses a day. And then he continued to ask them, can you not read Surah Takathur? Like implying that reading it equals in weight that of a thousand verses. Um, and Ayah 1 reads, you are distracted by mutual competition in amassing or, or worldly benefits. Um, so Takathur is derived from Kathara, um, meaning to amass much in like wealth. Um, and so reports explain that this Suda is, is referencing one acquiring wealth, but not paying like oblig obligatory dues. And Ayah 2 continues to read until you reach the grave. And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, has also mentioned like until death overtakes you. Um, and so this Ayah is implying that many people are focused on worldly goods, whether that be wealth or children, um, and remain neglectful of the hereafter until death comes onto them. And so a hadith uh, was mentioned of the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he says that if the son of Adam has a valley of gold, he would love to have two. Um, and nothing but the dust of the grave will fill his mouth. And then he continued by saying, and Allah accepts the re repentance of those who turn to him. And so the surah continues um, by saying, no, if only if you only had sure, like if you only had your knowledge. And so the context of this ayah suggests that if you have knowledge of the day of judgment, a person would not be focusing on acquiring worldly goods um, or taking any like pride in them. And the Suda continues by, by reading, then you will see with an eye of certainty, uh, um, which is what's translated as an eye an eye of certainty refers to the certainty attained by like physical observation, um, which the commentators mentioned is the highest degree of certainty. And so the commentators actually de um, demonstrate an example with Prophet Musa um, who was so distraught with the children of Israel once he actually saw them with his own eyes, the tablets that he was holding uh, of the Torah fell from his hand. Um, and so the ayah or the surah continues um, with the ayah, then you will be asked about the pleasures, about all the pleasures you enjoyed in this world. And so um, people will be asked if they have shown gratitude towards Allah or if they um, misused the favors given by Allah and were ungrateful. And some of the favors that um, Allah has given to us are actually mentioned throughout the Holy Quran. Uh, one example that the commentators mention is in chapter 17, which is Surah Al-Isra, um, Ayah 39. Surely the eyes, ears, and the heart, each of them shall be interrogated about. Um, and so the Prophet, peace be upon him, did mention in a hadith uh, that uh, the first question put by Allah will be, did I not give you good health and did I not give you cold water to quench your thirst? The Prophet, peace be upon him, also mentioned that like no person will be able to move from his place until he answers five specific questions. And those are like, how did you spend your wealth? 
um, in what ways or like what pursuits did you use your youthfulness? And then how did you earn your wealth and where did you spend your wealth? And lastly, did you act upon the knowledge that Allah gave you? Um, and so uh, something else uh, I wanted to bring up that wasn't like specifically mentioned in, in the tafsir was the, like the repetition that was briefly mentioned in ayahs two and three. So no, uh, this is not a correct attitude to have and surely you will know the reality. Again, soon you will know. And one hadith that was mentioned in the Q tafsir that I didn't see in the uh, the tafsir mara uh, is it maraful? Yeah. Yes. Maraful. Maraful um, yeah. is the hadith that mentioned that the son of Adam will become old, but yet two things will remain with him: greed and hope. <clears throat> So that um, was in conclusion of the two tafsirs merged. Okay, very, very good, mashallah. And so, <clears throat> so here we have uh, an illustration of one of the fundamental obstacles that every one of us has. Right. And, and so, and it's a mixture of a number of things. First, what's not mentioned in, in the surah itself is dunya itself and we've talked about this before that if you the meaning of dunya is like of the world and deeper it's something low like in value or something near like if we're saying near east uh and, but it doesn't mean near east is low in value obviously but uh but then when we get deeper into the, the etymology of the word dunya it's something that you're reaching for and just as you're about to get it it escapes you and so think of what that creates in terms of a sentiment, then you reach harder for it, or you chase after it, which is sort of getting into what we see in this surah. This surah is all about chasing after the dunya. And one aspect of chasing after the dunya is because it keeps escaping you, you're conditioned to want more. So if you're given, like you said, a mountain of gold, First thing you want is a second mountain. And, and, and then on top of that, you have your baser appetite, which is always saying, give me more. So I think we probably talked about this. This is the voice inside of you that says, all right, hit news, sleep five more minutes, as though that's suddenly going to change everything, right? Or stay awake another half an hour. You might see something on social media. Or... If you're a sweet tooth, have another piece of chocolate cake. Or if you're salty tooth, have some more chips. You know, or if you have power, get more power. And so your base or appetite, when you mix that with, with all of this, is especially saying have more. And then another aspect of this is the tendency that we have to look at what other people have. And and so if other people, you know, like we call it keeping up with the Joneses. If the Joneses have done some remodeling in their house, then we want to do some remodeling. If the Joneses have got a nice car, we want to get another nice car, you know? And so that's further distraction and immersion into dunya. The competition for more. So think about all these layers. One is just the nature of dunya itself almost compels you to chase after it. And a way to chase after it is to keep hoarding 
And then on top of that, you have your appetite, which is telling you to hoard even more. And on top of that, you're looking at what other people have, uh, which is, um, you know, which creates this type of competition. But even competition is a natural human thing. And so all of these things are actually corruptions of things that are natural in you. And so we have the eye in the middle of Surah Al-Baqarah compete, therefore be the first uh, 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 in literally almost in the middle of the, the second surah. Uh, so be the first in doing good. So compete, race with each other in doing good as opposed to competing in, in possessions which is what we have here. Yeah. And then on top of that, <clears throat> the key to letting go of dunya and the key to letting go of the desire for a second mountain of gold is, as you well know, gratitude for what you have. Because number one, it makes you happy with what you have, but it actually makes you feel like you have two mountains of gold, even though you might objectively have one mountain. And, and so this is so uh, organic, this type of corruption, that it can literally wipe away your whole life and you don't even notice it. Like as it literally says, until you visit the graves. That, uh, that this competition for, for, for plentitude will keep you distracted. That's how powerful this is in terms of the design of dunya. What's also uh, fascinating is the word zurdum, until you visit the graves. So not until you, you land there. So you might be in the graves for 10,000 years. Yeah. As we've spoken about many times about what the day of judgment is. And then we have uh, this lesson on levels of knowledge. So we have the ilm al-yaqeen and ayn al-yaqeen. Ilm al-yaqeen is when you know something's true. Ayn al-yaqeen is when you know it's true and you witness it, like the example you gave of, of Musa al-Islam with its people. You know? So just like a moment ago, we were talking about the condition of, of the Palestinians in, in Khalil. And this is not something I have witnessed. This is something that's been narrated to me by multiple different people. right? And when I visited, I haven't been to, to, to Khalil, but I've been to Jerusalem. And even there, witnessing it, you know, is a whole different dimension than hearing about it. So. And so, yeah, you will have, all of us will have Ayn al-Yaqeen regarding the Day of Judgment. And then over and over again, you will certainly see hell. You will certainly see with the eye of certainty. And then finishing off, like the questions you asked, you're going to be asked about this world. And those are the fundamental questions. This, that's basically like your exam. Um, you know, how do you spend your youth? And why is this such a fundamental question? Because most of us, like there's the line, youth is wasted on the young. You know, that part of the experience of old age is thinking of what you could have done with your youth. Because when you're young, Time almost doesn't exist, right? The limitation of time almost doesn't exist. The limitation of imagination versus real life doesn't exist. That's part of the transition from childhood into adulthood is the fantasy starts going away and you become much more pragmatic. Some people, the fantasies go away and they start becoming pessimistic, which is a different type of fantasy. 
with a negative tendency. Then how'd you earn your wealth? Lawfully, unlawfully, how'd you spend it? And then did you act upon the knowledge that Allah gave you? This is, I gotta send this to a bunch of people that are, are focusing on all kinds of, they want me to teach all kinds of abstract classes. And I keep making the point, all right, focus on the knowledge you have and just, that'll keep you busy for a long time. Mm. Okay, very good. Uh, any other questions about any of this? Um, just to um, expand on what you just mentioned right now. So um, I know like we've discussed in the past, like two ways to, um, you know, increase your gratitude or I guess like not, not be, um, as like down is to spend time with with people that are older than you and people who have less than you. Um, that kind of ties into, you know, with youth tends to be wasted on the young. So like, if you spend time with people who are older than you, you could possibly be more aware of, you know, totally. to come and the lessons that you can learn from them. And then also being grateful for what you have ties into just like what we were discussing earlier you might just have one valley of gold but it'll feel like you have two mm -hmm. yeah and then and, yeah go ahead. oh yeah no so i was gonna say yeah that's that's a point you hear from me over and over again that <clears throat> the benefits of one of the huge benefits of mentors and the older they are sometimes the better that they're sharing life experience and that, you know, sometimes for me, it feels far more valuable than gold. Mm -hmm. Part of it is just the joy of hearing about life experiences, but just, you know, it's almost like you're getting secrets of life. And what's interesting is that our era is an era of migration, right? Both you and I are coming from immigrant backgrounds. And then on top of that, Pakistan is a double immigration because it's people who immigrated to Pakistan and then, and then not including the, the locals and then those who immigrate from Pakistan to here. And what you're, one of the things you're being cut off from with immigration is, you know, it's like when you're traveling, there's only so much you can take with you physically. But what you're also taking with you are little bits of culture and history. Mm -hmm. And so you're losing this continuous chain of knowledge. And, so, and then on top of that, in our society, there's not as much of a focus on... Uh, uh, extended families the way things are back home or historically were back home where you have all kinds of people together going in and out you know even of the house with you know complete freedom and and so there's a wisdom that is part of that is gathered that is part of that a life wisdom is part of that experience that in our era of alienation and locked doors and such that also gets forgotten and so so yeah, the opportunity of benefiting from from elders and mentors, youth often don't have that. And people my age often usually don't have it either. I was able to learn it just because of unintentionally being in the company of elders and starting and thinking, hey, it's like great secret information about life, you know? Yeah. And so I was talking about, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No. I was just thinking, then I was talking about like this master's uh, that I was taking, uh, that I was doing, and where I was in my 20s, and everybody else is 60 years old, 50 years old and above. And, and, and we were all just reading just Western classics and such, but the, the insights they were bringing were amazing compared to how the class would have been with a bunch of 20 year olds or 18 year olds <laughs> reading the same books and such. Yeah, yeah. what do you think? 
Um, no, the the fact that you mentioned like um, extended families playing such a huge role um, reminds me of like whenever I'm in Palestine, I'll see like six year olds going to like the market by themselves, uh-huh. like a mile and a half away. And I, I remember I even asked someone like, you're really going to let him go by himself? They're like, if something happens to him, everybody around him knows him like he's going to be OK. And then also, I feel like the kids um especially in palestine like they talk like they're like 45 or 50 and it's like <laughs> they spend so much time with people that are like 80 like they'll be asking me about american politics and i'm like i'm 16 i don't care like yeah. Yeah. um so subhanallah is just very interesting they they mature a lot quicker um mm-hmm. because of that mm-hmm. I think yeah, that, absolutely that's a good uh, trait to have mm-hmm. yeah these are, these are uh, very big profound points i remember you know going visiting uh, family in India and I mean so yeah exact same thing little kid is sent to to go bring like this whole pot of food and just sent on her own yeah. with money and stuff and then even uh, we are taking a bus on a 15 hour bus ride to a village and we're at a truck stop and everyone's off and the parents leave their little babies inside the bus you know and the bus driver's not even there you know yeah, and so that expression you have right now it was exactly me. Like, what's going on here? Have you guys lost your minds? No, I was the one who had lost their mind. Who had lost yeah. their mind, you know? It's a fun walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Anything else? Um, the only other thing that I was I was thinking about it as I was reading it, um, in regards to the questions that were um, that were mentioned regarding like what Allah will be asking us. Um, how obviously like people with special needs or certain circumstances um, won't be asked these questions. Is it more of because of like what they endured in their life, they can end up actually like bringing their loved ones with them to Jannah? Or... Inshallah. Inshallah. So, so think of these as <laughs> sort of like your foundation. And then on top of that, um, uh, this does not include things like Shifa, intercession, whether it's from people in uh, your life or whether it's from the prophet himself, peace be upon him. But think of these five questions as almost like your guidebook mm-hmm. or, or even all the priorities that we have in terms of what the deen is. So the Quran is obviously the guidebook, the Sunnah is the guidebook. Mm-hmm. And then within that, it really comes down to these things. You know? yeah. What'd you do in your life, right? We get that. But then on top of that, what'd you do with your youth? So the things you've done in your youth may not be sins, but they may be of benefit for you. Yes. you know, and then, of course, how'd you get your wealth and how'd you spend it? Yeah. SubhanAllah, I feel like this connects perfectly with what we were discussing last time in regards to the hadith that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, where he said, take advantage of like your youth before your old age, your health before your uh, illness, your wealth before your poverty, free time before work, and then life before death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I That's feel like exactly. if, if you follow that, those questions will be like pretty much addressed directly, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah, yeah. Totally. Cool. Anything else? No, that'll be it, inshallah. Okay, okay, very good, inshallah. Special diet for Loyola. <laughs> inshallah, I mean, I mean, I mean. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa natubi lake. Let me turn off recording.